The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are back. Part two of our post-fight coverage following UFC 277 here on the MMAfighting.com YouTube channel. Welcome to the program. I am Mike Heck, back with you once again. We got a full crew with us. We got Sean Alshadi. We got Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Mishu. I'm sure fiery hot takes are coming, but we will begin things with the man, our boots on the ground in the Dallas Metroplex, Mr. Jose Youngs. Look at this camera angle. Look at this suit. Look at that hairstyle. Guy just crushing the game right now. Jose, your Say thoughts it again. on... Say it again. Say it again. Yes. I, I don't think anyone else heard it. Say it again. You're, cru- you're crushing the game right now. Just crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. So, your overall thoughts here. I know we don't have a lot of time with you, but Amanda Nunes, great performance. Brandon Moreno, great performance. Main card delivered. Some quick finishes, some dominant performances. Overall thoughts on the card itself. It was a good fight. It was a good fight card. There's obviously some unfortunate endings. I think that the Derek Lewis ending was a, was a bummer. A lot of people thought that was a late um, early stoppage. I don't really have an issue like everyone else on this site besides Eric Jackman do. Uh, I'm 50-50 because anytime a large human being is face down on the canvas with his hands at his side, I would assume they're, they're pretty close to being unconscious at a heavyweight fight. And then the injury to Anthony Smith I thought was a bummer because I had a lot of questions about Ankaliyev and Anthony Smith, and it just felt like we were robbed of a, what was going to be a really good fight. But two pretty fan, pretty pretty epic performances, two completely different performances in the final two fights. Brandon Randall versus Kaikar Francis, incredibly competitive fight. And Brandon Randall was obviously losing that last round until he decided to soccer kick Kaikar Francis' floating rib uh, into the stratosphere and reclaim the interim title. And then Amanda Nunes, I know on pa- on paper, if you just look at the scorecards or whatever, it looks like an absolutely like one-sided beatdown, which it was. But Juliana Payne was never out of it. She kept fighting the entire fight. So it was a close fight that one person dominated. I know that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really make sense when I hear it. But on paper, it looks like Amanda Nunes just put Juliana Payne through a wood chipper. If you saw Juliana Payne's face, you would assume she did go through a wood chipper. But Juliana Payne is supremely tough. And, yeah, it was, just a, it was a close fight that one person dominated. Hey, it wasn't. It didn't look like Amanda Nunes was without welts and yeah, marks on her face as well when she showed up at that post-fight press conference. But did anything surprise you in that main event, Jose? Like, I, I think a lot of us, ex- 
there, yeah. there was like two sides of the fence. We're either going to see the same exact thing as the first fight or Nunes is just going to bolt her and do what a lot of people expected her to do the first time around. Instead, we got five rounds. We got to see Amanda show some different styles. She comes out southpaw and was had yeah. a lot of people like, whoa, this is different. And then Pena just showing grit and toughness. What surprised you the most about that fight? Uh, Man, you know, it's coming out southpaw. I mean, she put together supremely, like, a really perfect game plan. Uh, and even at the post fight press conference, she says, like, she saw it in her face as soon as she went southpaw that Juliana Payne had no idea what to do. So, shocks me. Can't imagine what Juliana Payne was going through when she, you know, was preparing for an orthodox Amanda Nunes. And all of a sudden, Amanda Nunes has her lungs back, her feet back, and is now fighting southpaw. That's got to be horrifying. Uh, but yeah, it was a perfect game plan, a perfect performance. It was a good fight. Uh, Amanda Nunes reclaims her her belt, and I've always said this on a million times, what separates the great fighters from the, the talented fighters are the ability to rise from being down, being low, like the Charles Oliveras and the Glover shares. Yes, being dominant like Habib or Anderson and this and that, or John Jones is great, but when you fall, can you get back up? And that's what Amanda Nunes did. I've said for a long time that she's the greatest female fighter of all time. I don't know a lot of people agree with us. Not everyone at the site, I think, agrees with that, but I still put her number one pound for pound, uh, and I still think she's the best female fighter of all time, and she proved it again today. Do you get a sense that there's any chance they just go back to this third fight? Mm, I think it really did because Amanda was pretty beat up. Julian Payne was really beat up. So I just think... Let's see how they feel in six months. Then maybe they do it at the end of the year. Maybe they do the trilogy. I know Dana wants to go to Brazil next year. Figueiredo wants to fight in Brazil. If Charles Oliveira beats Islam Makhachev. I would imagine they wanted to put Charles, Amanda, and Figueiredo on the same card like they wanted to uh, this past. I know the Phoenix card was originally targeted for Rio or Sao Paulo, and they wanted like Glover and Charles and Davidson on those cards. So I would imagine if the UFC goes to Brazil, maybe they throw all those guys on, but... Let's wait and see because neither neither woman looks like they were ready to get back into camp anytime soon because they got a lot of cuts and bruises and banged banged up knees and what have you. And last thing, I want to get your take on Brandon Moreno's performance, just the fight in general mm. with Kaikar France because this fight delivered. It was everything we thought it would be. The scorecards were all over the place after two rounds. We had a 19-19, and then each judge, the other two judges, had a had a 2-0. Oh each fighter uh your thoughts on moreno's performance just the main event in general and uh how excited are you for moreno figueredo four or figueredo moreno I mean, four i know you the champ goes first i don't know if i'm i'm pretty sure i'm frozen right now am i frozen because they just took the wi-fi we're all frozen. <laughs> they took the wi-fi away from us so now i'm on the public wi-fi you're you're good you're good jose everything's okay. still good okay well, how about now anyway, how are we good just, how are we doing now Everyone's good. You guys are great. <laughs> I'm going to keep good. talking then. Anyway, Moreno, obviously, uh, I'm going to be, you asked if I'm going to be excited for Moreno Figueredo 4. I'm going to be excited when Moreno fights Figueredo for the seventh time because that's the rate we're going at right now. These guys are just going to play hot potato with the UFC's flyweight title. I was actually very, very pleased with how they handled each other when Figueredo entered the octagon and they did that like uh, impromptu face off and they were just absolutely respectful for one another wasn't expecting that wasn't expecting you know davidson figueredo with 
dyed eyebrows and a tiger on his shirt on fire to get in there and just, you know, be the most respectful uh, rival that to a man that he's had a lot of bad things to say about. So I was very pleased with that. I'm excited for that fight. Obviously, sucks for Pantoja because he's probably going to have to take another fight that he doesn't shouldn't have to because at this point, he's he beat Brandon Moreno and Kai France, so he probably should have been fighting for the interim title to begin with. So uh, sucks for him, but, yeah, I am so excited. These are very obviously the two best flyweights in the world. I know Brandon Moreno thinks he won that second, that third fight. I I don't, I don't know how you guys feel, but I could watch these guys fight a hundred times, and I'm never gonna be bored. It's one of those rare times where a fourth fight just makes sense. We got a draw, we had a submission win, we had a, a pretty narrow uh, decision win for Figueroa, and I can't even imagine what we're gonna get from the fourth fight. Jose, well done, great job on site as always. Safe travels home and. Uh... Get on out of there, man. Take t take yeah. a rest. Get a nap. Get some sleep. You deserve it. Thank you, my friend. Well done. Hasta luego. There he is, Jose Youngs, live from Dallas, Texas, giving you the on-site reaction to UFC 277. Sean, let's now begin with you, my man. Now the real party begins, Mike Heck. Let's do now it. Now the real party begins. It's there like we go. For you guys, I, I'm I'm at midnight. I'm I'm floating steady. I'm good. I don't know how you you three m amers are doing it right now, but let's do it, fellas. Yeah, it I is 135 degrees in this room right now, and we're just battling through, Sean. We're just battling through. Biggest takeaway from this main event because there is a lot. You you could go either okay. way. The toughness, just the performance. But when that fight ended, what was like the one thought that was just consistent in your mind biggest takeaway from Nunes's victory over Juliana Pena biggest takeaway so that's an interesting way to start this right because to me I found this main event to be incredibly incredibly compelling I know the scorecards will tell you one thing but this was really the most tense blowout I can ever remember seeing right because I would agree with the, the 50 44 if you want to give it a 50 43 I could certainly see the way you could do that too people who don't score that second round at 10 8 I don't know what you're doing at that point. Like that's if if that's not a 10-8, what do you have to do to somebody to get a 10-8? She knocked her down three different times, which was a record for any women or fight in the UFC in the history of the UFC. Like no woman had ever gotten three knockdowns in a fight. She did in a round. Like that's a 10-8. Come on. But the whole time, Pena was in it, right? And it felt very much like the like it was edge of your seat type of moments constantly with Pena, the doggedness she came, she approached this fight with, she approaches every fight with, but just like the relentlessness that she brings to this and just she is going to keep trying and trying to win that fight no matter what is going on no matter how deep into it that could have been a 50 minute fight you know in minute 49 she was still going to be throwing up omoplatas and arm bars and triangles and just trying to make something happen i found all of that to be incredibly compelling theater uh but in the end we sort of land back in this very interesting status quo that we were at before last december right like amanda nunes is the goat we sort of knew that she was the GOAT this whole time. This only reaffirms it. She is sort of we, – we've heard all week this stat of, you know, how bad the record is for champions who lose their belt and then get an immediate rematch. I think it was like 10-2 and two or 11-2 and two or – or I'm sorry, 2-11 uh, and 11 and two, or 2-10, two one of those two. Uh, it was just not a good record for champions to sort of run it back and try to get it back. She's she did the Matt Sarah GSP thing. She really relegated Juliana Pena to be her own Matt Sarah. She did it in a dominant fashion. I think this ends up just being a blip on the radar when it comes to her legacy. And she's now back in sort of better than she ever has been, right? Like there was a lot of chances she took coming into this fight, changing teams, basically creating her own camp and, and sort of doing it all herself. 
and it worked out magically man like she was in there she was had julian on ice skates for those first two rounds just cracking her with that right hook right hook anytime juliana came charging in she was getting demolished with those hooks uh and, and then we, we've seen it throughout amanda's reign once she realizes she can wrestle you and just out wrestle the hell out of you that's what she's gonna do and she's perfectly fine just out wrestling the hell out of you we saw it over and over again she split juliana wide open i think at one point she had her in that front headlock situation on the ground and she was like almost juicing uh juliana's forehead like all the blood just gushing out of it was nuts so to me i I found this to be an incredibly impressive performance from one of the greatest fighters we have ever seen and it now leaves us in a very interesting spot where I know we're going to get to it, but to me, I know people are talking about the Pena trilogy. What do you do next with Nunes? This feels very easy and very obvious, and I don't know that there's a better answer or even another correct answer than you have to do Valentina Shevchenko 3 right now. There is no better options for either woman right now, and it is one of those spots where who knows how much longer we have to do this fight, right? How many times have we seen super fights be lost over the course of MMA history? Cause we waited too long and we took them for granted and we thought they would be there. And then, then all of a sudden they weren't. We, if this past year has shown us anything with Amanda losing to Julia, Juliana and then Valentina very nearly losing to Talia Santos and maybe would have lost had that headbutt not happened. Anything can happen. We have seen it over the past year. It has proved it to us. We need to take advantage of this moment right now to do that fight. That is a very important fight just for the history of the sport. These are the two preeminent greatest women of, uh, of this era. They need to sort of settle whatever is going on between them. Uh, and it, it, Amanda seemed up for it. Dana White, for like the first time in a long time, seemed very much up for it. There's just not better options in either of their divisions right now. I know Valentina's maybe a little iffier, but money can do can convince people to do you know various things i think the ufc just needs to throw her the bag and we need to just book this fight because there's we need to do it now we can't lose it and there's really not a better option a lot to unpack there jed i'll go to you because as you posted right before this main event started you posted the receipt of the first time you said that juliana pena was going to go out there and beat amanda nunez and win the title in december you were right on. You posted it again. You had the suit and the tie on, looking like a couple of Billy out there, just looking fresh, dude. And you were correct. This time around, this is a different fight. You said it would be a different fight. You felt this would be Amanda's night, but it wouldn't stun you if Juliana went out there and did it again. This is going to be one of those fights where at the end of it, it was like, oh, obviously this is going to happen no matter how it played out if you listen to No Bets Bard. So what was your biggest takeaway? And do you agree with Sean? Do we just pull the trigger on this Nunez-Shevchenko 3 thing now that more people are on board, including Dana White, than ever before, apparently? I'm fine. I guess I'll start there. I'm fine if we pull the trigger on Nunez Shevchenko 3. I'm not like salivating for it, even though I think it's a great fight. I'll be really excited if it happens. But like there is some part of it, whereas it it is a much more interesting fight if Shevchenko isn't coming off a really tough contest. Like, you know, that and some people, even Amanda Newton said, you know, she was going to lose that fight without the headbutt, which. I'm not even 100% sure the headbutt's a real thing. Like she did headbutt her, but also immediately after she headbutt her, she kicked her in the friggin' face, which also could have easily busted that orbital as well. Neither here nor there. If you want to make that fight, totally okay with it. It's great. I also think that you could, because Noon seems to still want to be doing things and Shevchenko is going to hold on to the belt for infinity and beyond. I think you could do, have Shevchenko do one more against 
Manon Fioro when she goes and beats Caitlin Chukagian uh, in a couple weeks or whatever the timeline is for that fight. And then let Nunes come back and fight Ketlin Vieira because that is a fight that Ketlin Vieira deserves a title shot. And so I, I would like Ketlin Vieira to get a title shot that she deserves in that regard. So, but I'm never going to sneeze at the top two women in the world going, going hammer and tongs. That's pretty fun. As far as what the biggest takeaway is, it's a really good question. And I think the answer is just that Juliana Pena is stupidly tough. And I'm not sure that she's like good at fighting, but she's great at fighting because she is stupidly tough. Like everything that Jose said and that Sean said is true. Like that was the most compelling ass kicking I may have ever watched. And it was competitive for being an absolute obliteration of another human being strictly because Manu's couldn't kill her. She literally could not hurt Juliana Pena. She dropped her three, seven, 26 times. I don't even know. And Pena just got right up. And the commentary, which was on a whole different oh, one Oof. tonight. Oh, they, do they, they were just like, Oh, well, Nunes is, has the Charles Oliveira 10 standing 10 count, which was obviously insane. It was like Nunes didn't want to follow Pena to the floor. It was just like, why would she follow her to the floor? She's tuning her up on the feet and she just kept doing it. And Pena just kept getting up and being okay. Like she would get up and she would shake her legs out a little bit and then be totally fine. And then charge forward with some of the worst combinations I've ever seen in high level mixed martial arts. Do not on Twitter, go get on Twitter. There are plenty of gifts out there. We're talking some really, really like day one cardio kickboxing combinations that Pena throws and they start, They worked in stages, largely because she just didn't care that she was getting blasted with counter shots. <laughs> and if you can just run through all, if you were just an absolute tank, it kind of doesn't matter because eventually you get to hit them one time and then that hurts. And like you saw that Noon still got uncomfortable at stages. Like she clearly won every round of that fight and every minute of the fight. There were times when she was uncomfortable and she would disengage. And she went to the wrestling, like Sean said, because it was safer. And it realistically was because she could not finish Pena on the feet. But she knew that Pena was much less dangerous throwing up. I know that DC and and Rogan were like super in on the guard work. And I'm not saying that Pena wasn't trying, but like none of those triangles were close. That one arm bar was like a good attempt. But other than that, the rest of it was all, I don't know, like it wasn't there. So I think the answer for me is the the biggest takeaway is holy cow, Julia Pena just is unbelievably tough, and it de- like that is a thing that she still has. And so if this if they do run this fight back in the future, like I'll still pick Nunes to win because I picked her to win this time. But if Pena can can learn like how to actually strike, like it becomes way more compelling of a fight because. Like that fight was over instantaneously, right? As soon as Pena, as soon as Nunes came out in Southpaw, Pena had no clearly had never drilled against it, and so had nothing to offer that. And so now that you know, if she actually like puts tools to work, she her style is just really difficult for Nunes in a lot of ways. Even even after the ass kicking <laughs> Nunes delivered to her today. Yeah, there. I mean. You, we basically covered everything that fight had to offer in both of your responses. I do want to say one thing about the com- We talked about the commentary during the, the press conference thing. It was really bad, but was bad tonight. I do want to say this. 
John Anik is maybe the most patient play-by-play guy <laughs> in the universe. And two, I think the MVP of the whole broadcast because of also having patience was Dean Thomas. Because at Dean one Thomas point, I think it was, I think Daniel Cormier actually asked him the question, why is Amanda Nunes scared to grapple with Juliana he, Pena? He in fact and you did. could tell, yeah. And you could tell D- Dean Thomas, like on a non-professional ESPN setting would have been like, what in the blue hell are you talking about? <laughs> but so he was like, well, you, you know, Daniel, I, I, I I don't think it's she's scared and then gave like a really appropriate response, but you knew when he hit that mute button, you're bashing like, your brains. In on going on right well, she's <laughs> dropped her three right times. Now. So oh, why would man, she go to the ground? She's going to drop her again. Cause Pena's going to charge in with her hands down and just walk right into a counter right hand. She did it all fight long. The last, the last thing I want to say about this and, and I'll go to you, Sean, because I, I felt one way about Nunez and how much longer she had in the sport heading into the December fight. And I feel much differently now, like heading into that first Juliana Pena fight. I'm like, we might have like two, maybe three more fights out of Amanda. I, I, but coming out of this win, hearing the things that she was saying, I feel like we got longer with her. I feel like she does like indeed like have that hunger. I think putting that own that whole team together, going through that camp, the group of people around her, I think she truly is reinvigorated. Like, this wasn't a cliche. This is, like, the real deal thing. Has your thoughts changed? Like, I know you said, like, this is not a back pocket kind of thing with Valentina. Like, we got to strike while the iron's hot. But is there a part of you that feels like, you know, the two to three fights maybe, maybe we're looking at five to six now? Maybe that desire to, to keep going on is, is far different now than maybe what you thought at the end of last year? I mean, it's an interesting question, right? Because I think in a, in a strange way, this whole Juliana Pena saga for Amanda has, has sort of extended her lifespan in MMA to a certain degree because she you could tell that she was sort of kind of getting over it, getting past it a little bit of like what what else is left for me. I've sort of conquered all, all the goals and obstacles ahead of me that I could have done at this point. And then she loses last December and all of a sudden now she, you know, she camp changes. She's remotivated. She's seen someone else walk around with her belt. She wants to prove to the world that, that was a fluke. There's a bunch of elements that go into it, but I think that alone maybe got a few more fights, future fights for us for Amanda Nunes. But I will say, I mean, I don't know that we have five or six more for Amanda Nunes. She's still 34 years old. She's been in this game a long, long time. Um, she's had a lot of fights in the UFC. She's had a lot of fights at the highest levels in the UFC. I would be stunned if we get more than another two or three, if, if I'm being real. I mean, she she is at a point where her legacy is very, very secure. Uh, she's probably financially very comfortable. And she knows she's she's raising a family. She, she is, you know, her, her daughter and, and just a, a whole sort of great situation going down there in Florida. I think there's probably only a few fights left that we get with her. And, and then maybe she rides off into the sunset, which, again, is why, to me, it feels very important that we get this Valentina Shevchenko trilogy fight. Because when you look at when you look back 20 years from now at this era of women's MMA, just MMA period, Two women will stand above everybody else by far, and it's just the gap between them and everybody else is just so not even like a close to being a thing, right? Like it's Amanda and Valentina, and I know Amanda's up 2-0, but the way that second fight went is very controversial. A lot of people still maintain Valentina won that. I think Jed is probably one of them on this very program right now. And feels the first like we need. Fight. 
feels like we um, need some resolution to, to it. Like, I, I, I think just historically that is important. Even this weekend, fellas, when we're about to, to submit our new MMA fighting rankings ballots for next week's update in the rankings, I think there's a legitimate debate that's going to be happening about whether, who's the best female pound-for-pound fighter in the world considering the, the last two performances we just saw from each of them. This might have been Amanda's best, and we might have just seen Valentina at her worst. So there's, it, it feels like something that is unresolved and needs to be resolved. Uh, and I'm here for it. And I feel like, again, you can't mess around with this type of stuff. We have seen it so many different times. We were talking about it in the private Slack room on MMA Fighting of all the various super fights that we just lost over the years because we waited too long and we just assumed they were going to be there. And I just don't want this one to become one of those because it almost happened. It almost happened two different times over the past year. Yeah, and I we, we can't end the sort of rivalry between these two on that second fight because while controversial is one word you can use – not fun to watch would be another sort of phrasing. It was just uh, not yes. the most That's compelling twenty five minutes I've ever seen. Controversial is debatable. Not fun to watch is irrefutable. <laughs> That's just, also probably generous because it, it was it was pretty bad. It was worse it was, than it was, not, it was fun. not good. Uh, it was my not good. my fandom for Valentina Shevchenko won't allow me to say that it was bad, but not fun, sure. Yeah, if that fight happened in ACA, maybe the promoter comes in and stops it over the fifth round. No, it wasn't that bad. I'm just throwing that out there as a BTL question. But go ahead, Jeff. Also, just to address Sean's thing, because you guys are going to put your rankings, and for all of you, because I'm sure someone's going to put Amanda at the top, that's fine. This you guy, do whatever you this want. This guy's going to do it. It's fine. You can do whatever you want. I'll say the same Thank thing. Thank you. That I if appreciate I, your if go I, ahead. I needed if, it. If I was the reporter. for it, so I very much am appreciative if, of giving if I was a reporter and when Amanda was asked about Valentina tweeting a kind of dumb thing or whatever, and she was like, well, Valentina almost lost her last fight. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you actually did lose your last fight. So I don't really know how you're talking shit. Like you actually lost. She just almost did, but then didn't. So like Amanda it's did lose. Old, my Valentina man. didn't. It's still too old, my man. In the, in the series between them, one person has lost and the other hasn't. Okay. They're not That's at the same weight class. It was a lifetime ago. I don't think Valentina lost the second fight. And the first fight was only three rounds, and Nunes was getting her ass kicked in round three. But again, you could do whatever you want. This is rankings are subjective. <laughs> well, look, we, we can table this for the, the next rankings. Show. Yeah, I was going to say. You can, you can do whatever you want. Rankings are subjective. I just think you're insane. Listen, okay, here's a course. spoiler for the ranking show listeners. Here's a little behind the scenes. We're going to say, yeah, we'll go for about an hour. We're looking at a, <laughs> we're going to be sniffing two hours on this bad boy. This debate is going to be a, is going to be a biggie. I got a feeling. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So let's move on. Let's move on to other things. Uh, let's move on to Brandon Moreno, Sean, because you are in the building in Phoenix when he became the champion of the world. I believe you were there. And yes. it was one of those moments where it's a FOMO moment for me. I really was like, damn it. Like, I would have loved to have been there, been a part of that. But then he goes and fights Kai Car France tonight. Scorecards were all over the place after two rounds. It was 1 1, 2 0, 2 0 for each fighter. It was all over the place. So, if had this gone five rounds, we could have been be having a whole different conversation right now. But Brandon Murray was like, nope, I'm going to land this gnarly kick to the body, shut Kai Car France down, went in there, finished, hokey pokey herb turned himself around and stopped the fight. And Brandon Moreno is the interim flyweight champion of the world. Your thoughts on the fight, Moreno's performance, and then we'll get into the figgy stuff after. I just real quick, I'm going to hijack your question and throw it back to you guys. Like we saw two rib roasters tonight, Drew Dober and, and the Brandon Moreno one kick and the, the, the nasty, nasty hook. If you had to take one of those, which are you taking? Cause I, I guess maybe Dober, Do- but like, it's Jesus Dober. It's Christ. not close for me. Yeah. Okay. Don't get me wrong. The the Moreno kick was sick. One real time. I thought he kicked him in the nuts. Um, and I thought like I thought <laughs> I'm not even because the like the view I had or whatever was watching because I was live blogging. I I thought he kicked him low, and then uh, Herb because it's Herb like didn't see it and was gonna let a nut shot actually lead to an interim title win. And I was like losing my mind. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then then the booth was so confident. I was like, oh, that must have actually hit clean. But uh, it was the cleanest, super clean, unbelievable. Yeah, body kicks Uh, rule, uh, but body body punches are just way better. And Dover's was way way better. Also, not to totally derail us, but it'd been a lot cooler if Noons had just hit Pena in the body a bunch because apparently you can't crack her chin; it is unbreakable. But nobody takes a shot to the liver and and survives it, as two people on this card proved evidence. Yeah, those it was not. I, I love a good body shot. Like, that's one of my favorite things in all of fight sports, boxing, kickboxing, MMA, regardless. And so, to get two of them on a, on a night You're like this, like, oh, Bass Rutten was just loving life watching this. Uh, but no, to, to go back to your question, man, my takeaway from all of this is that the flyweight division is absolutely on fire. Like, the, the flyweight division might be one of the most fun divisions in the entire sport right now. And, and this isn't a new development, right? Like, this is something that has been ongoing. Uh, all three legs of the trilogy that we got between Brandon Moreno and Divis Figueredo were utterly tremendous. So this is not a new thing. But we have just – the way that these guys are going out consistently now and performing – I mean, we even saw it like a week or two ago with Matt Schnell just randomly setting the world on fire uh in that in that fight it's just this these flyweights are out of control right now and it's so fun to see brandon moreno is is 
he's he's just a delight man like how can you how can you hate this guy like how can anybody possibly hate this guy he is the most delightful man that we might have in the history of this sport like it's it's he's coming into this press conference eating nutella and just like giggling it up like he had he's having the time of his life it's it's tremendous stuff and you're right i mean the the knockout um like melting kai car france the way he did that's like one of those nightmare fuel type of like knockouts. Like you just see that and you, your own body hurts watching that. Like it was, it was interesting to see sort of in the lead up, like what was going to be made out of the move to glory MMA, right. To work under James Krause, whatever those guys are doing, it's clearly working. Um, I, I, I love the state of this division. I, I really enjoyed too uh, the, the sort of post fight interaction that him and Davis and Figueredo had. I know Dana White maybe didn't love it, which is, weird to me because i i thought that like that genuine show of just like immense respect between two guys who have really like been in the cage together for like a, an hour together right like that that was a lot of fun to me and that sort of set the table for what for what this is going to be because the the tetralogy fight of that which is what a fourth fight is it's not a quadrilogy tetralogy that's going to be sensational and like i can't wait for that especially if they can do it in brazil like go to Davison's home court that that's going to be just a crazy scene. And then you add in a man who I'm sure we'll talk about later, Alejandro Pantoja coming in here, who is, by the way, 3-0 and over these co-main adventures. And he Alex just looked Hans. like a bona fide wrecking machine in there in like 91 seconds over Alex Perez. The vibes at 125 right now are just immaculate. And I am thanking the blood gods every time we have one of these fight cards that this division still exists because the fact that it almost didn't is ridiculous. And it's just, it's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful the figgy thing was really interesting it was an emotional roller coaster because at first i'm like <laughs> don't do this it's just going to be horrible it's going to be sahudo ish and i'm going to hate every second of it and then he comes in and he walks in with the shades on and the belts and i love the heel move and i'm just sitting there i'm like oh my god figgy's going to do something stupid he's going to push him and then moreno's just like being a dad and trying to set the good example and figgy's like all right, man. And it like hugs him. But then like in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking that we're in the barbershop with Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels and he's just going to like trip him or tick him or something bad was going to happen. But luckily it didn't happen. So I got to you take a nice luckily, deep breath. What, like, let's be clear because I'm sure that there are ghosts watching this right now who are like, you guys are idiots because I agree. We talked about it in the Slack channel. It was like, honestly, maybe the actual single most heartwarming moment in UFC history. Like, genuine, great moment. Loved every minute of it. I also absolutely understand why Dana White wasn't super stoked on it. Because for as much as we like this and think this is great, and Casey, I heard you say uh, in the press conference thing that like, you can, like, look, you don't have to promote fights of bad blood. No. This won't sell a pay-per-view. Not a single human being is like, these two dudes are friends. I want to watch them fist fight. Oh, get out. If the, no, that's, not, dude, that's not doing dude. shit. And you, you know you, what, we don't you know what else wouldn't but hold on. But you know what else wouldn't have done shit if they would have gotten a pushy push match? Like none yeah, of it, it was gonna have, sell a single more pay-per-view. This it was would just have because the UFC different. at least knows how to promote that. It's the only way they know to promote fights. But they can put a video package together that's like, these two hate each other four times. Let's go. And like, it will drop slightly more interest. I'm not no. talking in the hundreds of thousands, but like. No. Figgy what? Smalls could go over there and, and 
you know, no, kill, look, kill Mike, Brandon Moreno's dog, and the, Mike, yeah, they could get it on film, and like it's not going to sell a single more. That would, I would absolutely sell more. You shouldn't do yeah. that. That's horrible, and you're a bad person for suggesting it, Sean. But it would absolutely sell more, Mike. Mike, you, I, you just brought it up. I didn't bring up killing puppies. That's a, that's a Sean Alshadi thing. <laughs> they're not. Mike, they're not I don't watch pro regardless Mike, of the interactions between these. Mike, guys. I do not watch pro wrestling. But I know enough to know that in the thing you were saying was some sort of a promo build with Janetti or Shawn Michaels or whatever. You know why they didn't do the that with them being like, hey, we're buddies? Because nobody gives a shit. And so, like, I get it. I'm not saying he should have. I'm not saying they should fabricate things. But, like, we don't have to bury our heads in the sand and pretend like, oh, yeah, this is what fighting can be. People are going to love this. We're like, yeah, that was just a cool moment. And like, I get why the promoter was like, eh, whatever. Like he's, he, that he's not into it. That's fine. Like, but we don't have to pretend like this is, this is like, this is how fighting should work. It's I'm just not, not how it's I'm not be. sure what, I'm not sure what your argument is right now. Cause you enjoyed it too. Like what is, what is I know I did enjoy position it right now. My position is that it's I can enjoy the thing and not be like, oh, I don't know why Dana White didn't like this. Like, I very clearly understand why he didn't like this and think that to an extent he has a point. But I don't, you know, it's whatever. Like, I think yeah. it's fair for him to be like, eh. Yes. No, we, yeah, obviously. I agree. Okay, then we're good. <laughs> I don't know what are <laughs> we talking about. We're, I don't know. It's also almost four. It's three thirty, so maybe I'm a little yes. worked up over nothing. <laughs> Who can say? All right. I have a lot uh, of energy my, drink pulsing through me right now. I can sense that. I can see that. Um, last thing on this, Jeff. Uh, I'll go to you because we, we we know oh, where right. this is going, right? Like we know where this is going. Um, Alley pants. What best, was best flyweight in the world, yes. baby? Well, I mean, let's not get crazy. Um, <laughs> what was your biggest takeaway from the title fight? Outside of flyweights and unders, always cash. Always cash, baby. Flyweights and unders never don't cash. Uh, Brandon Moreno's really damn good, dude. Like, I thought there was a chance that he was the best flyweight in the world because I don't remember, like, I, I haven't rewatched the Moreno Figgy fight, the last one recently, but I don't, I remember at the time thinking that I thought Figgy edged it out, but being like, eh, it's competitive, could go either way. Um, but yeah, he's he's just still getting better. Like I, he did a lot of things in a style matchup that could have been tricky, especially with how good uh, Kai Car France was at not allowing Moreno to get his grappling off. And then to come back, like I don't think I think we're not going to talk about it because of how everything else happened. But like that finish is incredible, not because yeah. of the fact that he kicked him in the body, but he was kind of getting tuned up in that round. Like he it felt like momentum had shifted. Like Car France was, it was really easily cracking him easily he, by far. He'd easily, uh, the judges were all over the place. I don't know what the hell they were smoking, but like clearly Moreno should have won the first two. One judge did not give him either of those rounds, but like the third round, he was clearly losing and losing badly. Not like in a, not almost getting finished badly, but like, Oh, there there's a snowball rolling downhill in the same way. He had turned the tide on Car France in their first fight. Like it, it felt like KKF had woken up and was starting to really get things going. That uh, right hand was just tethered to, to Moreno's face. And then just out of nowhere, he was like, nah, bro, we're done. And that's like, that is incredibly impressive to engineer a mid round comeback by just adjusting and saying, okay, he's, he is circling away as soon as I start to engage. 
I have to follow him and trail with the kick because he is going to be so far out that I can't go one, two punch because he's just running away and he did it. And then boom, done. So yeah, Moreno's sick, good, and probably the best flyweight in the world because Davidson Figueredo looks like he's lightweight at this point in time. I don't know what that dude's been eating, but he's been eating well. I do. Who knows? It might've just been a puffy sweater, you know? I don't know, man. Him standing back there with Volkanovski, who is not Dude, a small featherweight. Volk. He looks bigger than Volk. That yeah. was wild. And Volk's, Volk's got designs on moving to lightweight, and Figgy's supposedly a 125-er. I don't know how that dude makes the weight. Truly do not know, but good on him. There we go. So we will. We, we know what's going to happen. We'll see when that fight happens. But congratulations to James Krause getting his first champion uh, yeah. at glory MMA. So good on him. And everybody seems to be happy about that, except apparently Megan Anderson, who had some things to say on Twitter earlier tonight, uh, hashtag shots fired. Speaking of that, let's go to, before we go to the peeps, let's go to the most contentious thing that happened on this card. It happened in the featured bout in the heavyweight division, Texas's hero, their own Derek Lewis takes on Sergey Pavlovich. This fight is going exactly the way we thought it would. They're throwing hammer and tongs. Pavlovich is getting the best of Derek Lewis. Starting to hurt him a little bit. Derek's trying to fire back. Pavlovich hits him. Lewis goes down. It looks aesthetically bad. Big Dan, Tan Dan jumps in, stops the fight, and Derek Lewis hops right up like he's popping out of a jack-in-the-box, ready to go. Fight is stopped. He's pissed. Everybody else is pissed for the most part. And Pavlovich picks up the biggest win of his career, gets no bonus at all, despite finishing Derek Lewis in less than a minute. And this has led to a little bit of a debate here. Was this an early stoppage? Was it a good stoppage? Was it a poor stoppage? So, Sean, we've had several hours now to reflect on this. How did you feel as it happened? Do you still concur with how you felt as it happened? How do we feel about this? Okay, so in the moment... I felt like it was terrible. I said it in, on, you know, on Twitter. I said it in our Slack room. I felt like it was an awful, awful stoppage in the moment. Having had time to reflect and sort of see various angles and just sort of watch it over and over again, I still don't like it, and I still wish Tandan would have waited a little bit longer. I still maintain that it's a bad stoppage and an early stoppage, but I can obviously understand sort of the decision-making that he had in the moment. Be, look, being a referee is very hard. It's a very hard job. It's it's incredibly challenging. You're making split second decisions in a matter of like a blink of an eye. And all of us on the couch are getting to watch this on replay and we have no skin in the game and we get to say whatever we want. And you just kind of have to sit there and say it. It's a tough job. That being said, it's the job you choose to do. Like that's sort of what comes with it. This is Derek Lewis. This is who he is. This is what he does. He's won fights that he's seemingly been in more trouble than he was in tonight. And that's sort of just where I land with it, where like I get it. I understand the decision making because Derek Lewis for a moment was sort of face down on the mat. It looked pretty rough. But the fact that he popped up back instantly and again, just with his history, you almost have to like know the fighter that you're dealing with, right? Like this is something that Derek Lewis sort of does a lot. He plays, I don't know that he was playing possum, but he has played possum in the past, but also like just he has insane recoverability. And in, in a situation like this, I would not have minded to see this go another second or two just to get some sort of definitive answer because what ultimately happens and why this sort of sucks is that it's it does a disservice to Derek 
but it also does a disservice to Sergei Pavlich, who had easily the best win of his entire career, a win that should have been basically career changing, right? You're knocking out the UFC's all-time knockout king in like 55 seconds or whatever it was. And instead of reveling in that moment, he has to then answer immediate questions from Joe Rogan about the stoppage, go into his post-fight interviews with the media and answer questions about the stoppage. He, like you mentioned, Mike, which I think speaks volumes, he didn't even get a post-fight bonus on a UFC pay-per-view bout that he knocked out Derek Lewis in less than a minute. I feel like that speaks volumes. The fact that that happens, that's if, if that's a clearer, cleaner knockout and just gets an extra couple seconds, he's probably getting an extra 50K too. So it just does a disservice to everybody when this type of situation happens. It's a tough, tough spot, and especially one like this where, again, Derek Lewis was sort of face down on the mat and you, that, that was, looked like a bad spot. You kind of just got to, again, it's Derek Lewis. I know I keep defaulting to that, but this is Derek Lewis. He has incredible recoverability. You got to give that guy the benefit of the doubt and, and at worst, let him eat a couple more shots if that's going to be what it takes to make it more definitive. So I land sort of where I started. I don't like it. I'm not maybe as vehement against it as I was initially, but still, I felt like it was a bad stoppage. The aesthetics are bad. The stoppage was also bad. And Jed, I'll go to you. A little trivia question here. Last four fights, Derek Lewis is one and three, got the win. Mark Smith was the referee when he knocked out Chris Dacus. The referee in all three of his stoppage losses, Dan Mergoliata. All three of them. Cyril Gaon, Ty Tuivasa, Sergey Pavlovich, Tan Dan, and Derek Lewis. There's just no – the juju between these two are not good. And I actually went back at a certain point during the delay and re-watched the Ty Tuivasa fight. Ty Tuivasa <laughs> in that first round was in way more trouble way more trouble than Derek Lewis was in that fight. I know he didn't go face down, but Derek Lewis was clubbing that man and they, he could have stopped that fight and he let it go. Ty gets to the second round ends up knocking out Derek Lewis. And now Ty is maybe a win away from fighting for an interim title, but that that's sad. Just Dan, big Dan stopping Derek Lewis fights last three, all these three stoppage losses, all were Dan Mergliata refs left ref fights. Don't know if that all means also, anything in the lungs. Yeah. They're, they're all think? also in Texas. So really Derek Lewis should stop fighting in Texas. And especially That's true. when Derek Liotis is referee. Uh, I don't care. Um, I you don't care. About I that? think this is, I think this is one of those situations where uh, the stoppage is, um, how, how do I phrase this? Uh, the stoppage is fine. I wish it would have gone on for two more punches, right? Like it's, I under if you face plant, you face plant, dude. And I'm I'm never gonna be like super ah, you shouldn't do you shouldn't step in because like you face plant, there's a lot of reason for a referee to believe that you have gone unconscious and thus do not need to be punched in the head anymore. And that's how it works. But I am largely on the side of I sort of want every fight to go two punches more. Now that's not twelve punches more, but like I just I don't think that those two punches are the ones that are the career changers for fighters. I think it's the hours and hours of sparring in the round or the taking a uh, prolonged beating over, you know, a 25 minute fight, not the ah, cough and nail hit him. Like I think the, the, the optics there are just bad essentially. So I'm always pro let it fight it out. Let's be a hundred percent definitive on where we are here, but he face planted. And so it's, 
I would have liked to see it go. If if it were me, I feel like I would have allowed it to go one or two more punches, but I don't have any issues with, with Margarita stepping in and stopping that fight. There's a lot of reason for him to have done so. I will say, Dan to, to put it... A lot of Derek Lutz. Go ahead. To put it one way, like... Brock Lesnar would have lost to Shane Carwin 10 times over if he had Dan Mergliata's quick trigger that he had tonight. Like that's all, that's all it was, right? Like we've seen legendary comebacks and in, in almost every legendary comeback in MMA history, UFC history, there is a moment where things appear to be over or almost over or on the verge of being over. And it felt like that was maybe where we were at. That's all. Yeah. I, I get why people aren't stoked on it. I, it's just, I think that this is just sort of, this is baked into how the sport works. They're going to occasionally have one of these. This is, I would not call this a bad stoppage. I do think it's a little early, but I don't think it's bad. I just, I just find it yeah. to be a bummer for Sergey because again, yep. this is sort of the narrative. This is what we're talking about. When we should be talking about, I don't care what he cares about. I, I don't just, think that dude general, cares about anything. That dude I, is an ice cold killer. That's who cares. To, but that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in general, the conversation around Sergey Pavlich would be much more excited had this gone an extra second or so. That's it. I will also his, say, I the don't matchmaking think... for his next fight would be a little different. I think had I agree. it just been like a clean stoppage. I think he'd be moving up a little bit and now he might, and now he might be in Romanov territory. If Romanov goes out there and just bolts Marcin Tybora. I mean, Ooh. this, it, it could be that like, it could be that instead of looking at, Tommy Aspinall when he's ready to come back, or the loser of Tommy Aspinall gone. Yeah, I, Mike Heck, heavy, you're, you're pretty good at this matchmaking thing. You should maybe do a show about it. That, I like sure. that call. I mean, I mean, come on. I will also say, I actually don't think maybe just because of how the UFC does stuff with name value, if that's a clean KO, or if that is, if he gets two follow up punches, I'm still not sure that gets a performance bonus because I don't know, like. You're going to take one away from Dober or Pantoja? I'm not. I could see Dana White doing I can see the argument, but like, I think I think those two dudes just locked it in because those were, as soon as the Pantoja fight happened, I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. Those are the two performances. So I'm not sure yeah, he we, lost. We've seen the UFC give more than, you know, the usual did, two, so you never know. Did, did, did Derek get the crypto bonus? He had to have, right? I don't I think we don't get, remember. we don't think we find that out till like tomorrow or Monday. Oh, I thought we got this right. Yeah, I don't think we find I don't think we find out the same night. I think maybe the first time we did, but the last one we didn't find out until like a couple days after. But um also on the main card, they've already lost like ten percent of value. Yeah. Derek Lewis is probably gonna get one. I mean, there's just stunned. It's gonna be Moreno Lewis and I Moreno Lewis and I assume noons. Yeah, Marino maybe. Lewis are locked in. I, the only I'm trying to think of who else people like on the card. Nunes is probably the answer. Yeah, and Moreno. Yeah, those are the three. Uh, good win for Pantoja, like you said. He'll probably fight Kaikar France next, if unless he just wants to wait. And we don't know if Dana wants to. You know how Dana do, feels about waiters. And then Magomed Ankalaev. Do, do, do you feel? Do match no. I mean, I'd watch that. that. That'd be we fun. already saw that one, and it was awesome. I know. Oh, they're all right. awesome. 125 rules. That division. That's what I'm so saying. Man. Flyweight is it so is good dope. right now. I love it. That was like one of those fights where I was like, all right, these guys are fighting. And as the fight's going on, everyone's saying this is awesome. But Matt Schnell fans are like, Matt, 
no, don't do what you're doing. Yeah. And then he gets, then he gets bolted. Anyways, uh, but I would watch that that's, again. That's like every match show sure. fight, to be honest. That is, <laughs> that is really, that's how that man works. <laughs> I love uh, and, it. Uh, yeah. And Jed, you probably feel vindicated with Magomed Ankalaev's performance. And Best two or five I mean, more. again, again, kind of mired with a little bit of weirdness due to the injury, but it turns out there is no fracture according to Dana White at the press I conference. Have, so I'm skeptical that that's true. Like, I don't know what, what else would have made him react like that. Cause he seemed to be very confident and I trust Anthony Smith to know his body well enough to know what he's, I mean, something could be wrong without it being a fracture. There could still be something going on there. I don't know. We'll see. I feel like there is, but we'll find out. Yeah. The first, the first thing Anthony said when he got to the corner was I broke my ankle. That was the first thing. And then when the fight was over, he told the broadcast that he broke his leg. But Magomed Ankalaev is a monster. And Anthony Smith put on a bunch of weight for this fight. And Ankalaev looked like a freaking heavyweight compared to him. It was – that's No, he was very boy. thin. Weren't you listening? Weren't you listening to the commentary? Ankalaev uh, yeah, is very the, thin. He's a thin the man. tremendous commentary. The yeah, commentary, Anthony Smith, like, the co-main was for the real ti- title belt. Like, oh, God, about? yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan set quite the pace with that comment. Oh, this for right the out of the belt. gate, right dude, out of the dude, gate. Can, I, I don't want to derail this, but just like, can you imagine if like you're a new fan who this is your first UFC experience, and ten minutes into the broadcast, what you know about the flyweight division is that. Uh, the actual champion is a fake paper champion who didn't actually win his last fight. And the fight tonight is for the real title. The one he has is a Fugazi title. Like that's actually your knowledge of the flyweight division. If you're watching this for the first time ever, that's <laughs> wild to me. That's, that's like, pretty, like Joe Rogan is the good. most known, like Joe Rogan is the most publicly known UFC sort of voice in the world. Right? Like he, I think a lot of people would look at him as an expert and believe the things he says that comes with a certain level of responsibility, man. And if I'm Divas and Figueredo at home watching that, like I'm, I'm furious watching that. But again, whatever. It Joe, was, it was Joe, a night for a Joe Rogan and responsibility. There are a lot of people who would like to have that conversation with them too. It's just not. Also, I think it's pretty fitting. The UFC has historically trashed this division, so it's pretty real to just be like, "Hey, new fans." Join in on our hatred of everything at 125 for some see, unknown reason. The problem with that is, though, is that actual people listen, right? Because, like, I tweeted out something, like, sort of criticizing that, and then 90% of the results of, of the replies were basically people parroting now what Joe Rogan said about yeah. Divas Figueredo, uh, you know, he he's not the real champ because he didn't take this fight. And it's like, bro, he was injured. He won the belt like six months ago. Dude Don't was get injured. injured. He's gonna, Don't get yeah, injured. Like, what are we talking about? He actually won the belt in a real fight that happened and that had a real result that wasn't even super controversial. Like it was a close fight. But you look at MMA decisions, like 17 out of like 25 people voted for him and the fan vote is only like 35% in favor of Moreno. Like it was a pretty decisive close win and now we're just delegitimizing him because the dude had the gall to, to complain that he wasn't getting paid enough that – Dana, the same amount that like Dana gives a Nelk boy for his birthday. Like this is less. Let's he he made less. Let's be real. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he made significantly yeah. less than yeah. the Nelk boy cash wad. So like look, I don't know. Look, you're never I'm never gonna be pro Joe. Joe is the reason that Max Holloway is the greatest featherweight of all time to many people, and it will never not make me the maddest person <laughs> online. So like I get what you're saying. 
<laughs> oh, man. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go to the peeps. I'm sure they they have other things they want to talk about besides Joe Rogan. Uh, big win for, nice win for Alex Morono. Casey's uh, got Dober. some really lavish That's looking like, hair right now. Uh, he's just crashing it. Uh, Hamdi Abdulwahab, first Egyptian fighter to get a UFC win. That was double uh, Sean. That, that was, double Sean. Double Sean. That's Twin Sean's. Wow. Twin Jets. That's just so we're clear. Hamdi wrestled in the Olympics at 98 kilograms, which is like about 215, I think. He's put on some weight since the Olympics is what I'm here to tell. <laughs> this guy could be a dope-ass light heavyweight prospect, but instead he's he's a heavyweight who's going to be around. Uh, dude, I, I love that. that was, like, I, don't, I don't even want to like make light Devanis. of that. That was like a genuinely cool sort of moment and like dude, just an awesome genuinely fight. cool like great performance sort of accomplishment for the region because arabic mma yeah. has sort of been on the rise that for a long cool. time now and not a lot of people talk about it and for to become the first egyptian fighter to fight in the ufc but also like the first egyptian fighter to win in the ufc that's super cool and for me like i'm, a, I'm my whole family's kuwaiti like i got the most arabic name imaginable like i thought i thought that was a very very cool moment it is. I just ah. want to see him at 205 because that 205 is a wasteland of talent. And he, like, has the bones to do something there. But that here's a, a fight, here's what's, And here's what's interesting about him, too. You say this all the time, Jed. Athleticism in MMA is a cheat code. Cheat code. And that guy, even though he put on a couple LBs, I mean, he, he, ain't, looking, he ain't looking out of shape. He's looking pretty, pretty ripped hard, at that weight class. And he's an athlete, dude. 15. Yeah. On 12 days notice, 12 days notice, the dude is an athlete and he's only going to get better, which I'm very curious. That's a guy. Uh, that's a guy we'll be keeping our eye on. Uh, Jakar Close just being a pest, beating Rafa Garcia just in his face the whole time. Michael Morales is a stud prospect at 170. Props to Adam Fugit for Fugit, excuse me, for getting in Fuck there it. and uh, having a good Forget fight. about it. Fuck it. And so but so but that was that was a fun social media watch, by the way. Hard, so hard many uh, few good jokes. Uh, I, I want Jocelyn I want Edwards. to stay in the UFC forever. Just for that. <laughs> I'm so ashamed uh, of Nicol- myself that I just did that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Uh great performance. A, a performance that is going to be forgotten through all this. Uh Nikolai Negamirianu looked sensational tonight. He looked really good. Strong performance. Uh, but just kind of overshadowed about everything that else that happened. And uh, Orion Kosi gets his first UFC win against Blood Diamond. Can we match make Blood Diamond a little bit better? For the love of God, why are we putting him in there with wrestlers? I don't understand, but that's neither here nor there. Casey, also, what are the peeps I mean, saying right now? Drew, Drew are we Dober, putting him there the, in the UFC? Drew Dober, the, the best damn baker in all of MMA, uh, just coming in here and doing tremendous things once again. That man makes a really mean donut and a really mean strawberry shortcut cookie, if you uh, you haven't already. Yeah, oh, and by the way, the reason he wins the reason he wins the body shot battle, go back and watch the replay of Alves when he stands up and tries to hug Drew Dober after. You could just see the pain in his face. 
as he's yeah, trying dude. to like extend to hug him. Like the pain was not just in that one moment that shut his body down. Like it extended on for minutes after. And Kai he was for a while. KKF stumbled backwards and collapsed. And Hava just, just melted. He he collapsed like a building demolition, just on top of himself. Like he was done. It was awesome. Yeah. I do have Great to say though, shot. Rafael Alves is like appointment viewing for dude, me forever. That dude is hundred awesome. percent. That guy could lose ten fights, and I don't want him to get cut from the UFC. Yeah, that forever. that was that guy is entertainment personified. Yeah. Sick head movement too, like which was dope because that's why like that's why Dover went to the body because he couldn't hit him in the head. Then punch his guts out. It was awesome. That fight ruled. I also I, I want to add that I do. Uh, I was on the same train of thought with uh, Jed. Uh, it's late. I can't remember everyone's name here. Jed. Uh, I thought I, I did think it was a nut shot that took that took Kai oh, down. Oh, hundred percent. I was, and because it was Herb, not because that because yeah. I thought it was nut shot. I was like, oh, a, this is absolutely possible that Herb just misses that, and then we have a TK. And the hokey pokey dance. So I was like, oh, he he he, he wasn't. Yeah, I think Herb when he looked at the replay, he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I I did because I was sitting there like, oh man, this is bad. Yeah. All right, do the questions. Do what do we got here? Do, we'll do, take do. we'll take a few. We'll take a few. It's Ollie, been uh, talk about yeah. Ollie Pants. It's been a day. <laughs> um, while we wait, Jed, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about him. We're Ollie Pants you rules. He got shot out like a cannon. Dude, I didn't see that was, coming. He was all about the business. Walking down shirtless, like just ready yes. to go. Like he came in to he look, I'm not here to talk a lot of shit about Anthony Smith, even though I've talked a lot of shit about Anthony Smith over my entire MMA media career. But when you come in and you say, I'm gonna bring the fight to a dude, and yada yada yada, and then you don't, you just kind of look like an ass. And you know who didn't do that? Ali Pants. So he said he was coming out to make a statement, and he made a friggin' statement. He literally ran out. out. He yeah. literally ran out. Shirt off, yeah. Shirtless <laughs> ran out here. Let's go. I don't want to wait another minute so I can blow the doors off this dude. And as soon as the bell rang, out of a cannon, just blew blew him up. Like and the that and the promo awesome. and the mic too. Like yeah. the whole package. The yeah. whole package. He, even, he, even at the press conference, he had, the he had a great line about performance. Like, calling yeah, these dudes his might, sons. Yeah, like, we, that was like his only question of the press conference, and he got a laugh. He was ready. He was yeah, ready. Yeah, yeah. Hook this he, division up to my veins. Like this is he had best. he had the best top to bottom performance of the whole weekend, and like mm-hmm. that dude just rules. Like he's he's been incredibly fun to watch, and I think he's like I think he's now really ascending and just awesome. So everything about that fight was dope. Because Alex Press is good. This yes. dude in his last fight was a title challenge. Like he's a good fighter and he was not a good fighter. Pantoja ran through him much, much more dominantly than Figgy did. Like, whew. oh man, that was a super it. smart strategy. Really smart. Cause Alex is usually, uh, usually Alex likes to set the tone early himself and he just did not give him a chance to even breathe. It was <laughs> the amazing. The fight started literally the, the second the fight started, he was on him. It was, it was over. It was what? Well, and that crank that, 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 that just squeeze that he put yeah, on just, Perez's just, face. Just a neck breaker. Like not uh, a choke, just a neck breaker. Dude. And uh, that killed me. Freaking Rogan. Cause saying like, you can go unconscious from that. No, that is just, that is just pain. 
that that that, I mean, that submission was just from pain like, yeah i guess but that, that, all that was was just like i'm gonna squeeze your face that's all that choke was it's so awesome oh yeah. what a what a bet great performance and, and he beat up my boy manel cape and i still like him i still like him Man, pants rules yeah pants are awesome <laughs> <laughs> all right um we've done uh jeez all right all right, all right, take, all right. Uh, we're, we're we'll not done we haven't done oh, wait, wait, we haven't done a single yeah, question yeah. <laughs> are we done are we done let's, let's talk about cheating Ooh, always cheat is it me or did Pena grab the inside of nunez's glove oh, multiple yeah. times right in front of the ref yeah, yeah. she did she every flew. submission attempt she set up was with active cheating do it. You do should it. do it if you're not going to stop it. She promised it in the in the press conference too, and that's she why did. that's why I got to admire Julia Pena. She also backed up what she said. Mm-hmm. Anthony Smith super did not yeah. cheat until someone tells you to stop cheating, and then cheat a tiny bit more. Got <laughs> a little bit of wiggle room. Cheat you know, until they take a point from you, and then stop cheating. And then, because you know she you was pretty far down. She was pretty down in the cards. They could probably take four or five points from her. She was like, "All right, whatever." Oh, it wouldn't matter at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's, if, yeah. If you, you were in a situation where you, yeah, you're in a situation <laughs> where you need a finish to win, cheat aggressively. <laughs> like just all the cheating you can do because there is no downside at that point. Yeah. Uh, and no one's gonna stop you. Nobody. Is this the fight to make? Yeah, probably, 100%. but it sucks. It's so, not. Someone in the comments just said that Anthony broke his ankle live, and now I'm just nice. So that's too good. That's well too done. good of a pun for 1 a.m. Yeah. This I mean, isn't that the fight to ankle live. The, the light heavyweight division right now is very simple, right? You do the Glover Yuri rematch because that was super fun. Everyone loved it. You can't. Glover's like done basically. Like you got to do right. this now for for the guy. He deserves it. And then you do Ankali of Yon, number one contender on the same damn card. And we do one of those fun times where we get all these answers in one night. Like that's, that sounds yep. fantastic. Yep. yep. That, that's that's objectively true, but I want Ankali of to get his title shot. He's nine in a row. Nobody wins. You nine just want that so you can beat me in the competition we have. <laughs> I do, but also he's won nine in a row. You know who else has done that in the history of the light heavyweight division? John Jones. Literally the only other person who has ever done that. Like, let's yeah, do but he, get a title he fight. He still got a little bit of stank on him from the Tiago Santos one, though. Like, this Tiago didn't fully Santos sucks. Everyone who fights Tiago Santos, we're gonna find out in seven days that Tiago Santos <laughs> is not fun. He's the anathema to fun because Jamal Hill, who is fun, is gonna have a stinker with him because Tiago Santos sucks since he lost both of his knees, which is a very understandable reason to no longer be entertaining. Jed, Jed's on one. Energy drink, Jed is this is a I'm whole just saying, other. I'm just saying, Uncle Iev is the best two of fiver in the world, so I'd like him to have the belt because that'd be cooler. Why do you hate when Glover the best guys? Well, Glover is certainly not the best two of fiver in the world as he just got submitted by your Brashka. You know what's you know what's just gonna be the best when Glover wins the rematch and they have to do a third one and then Angolai's gonna have to wait so here longer. for it. The reaction so here for it is gonna be absolutely amazing. That that's the thing. The only reason I'm not like actively, really aggressively saying that this is bullshit and that Angolai deserves it is because Glover Yuri, I is, I think the second best or maybe just actually the best fight of all time, and I will. And I love Glover and Yuri, and we'll watch the hell out of that rematch. If they do yeah. stupid Jan fight over it, that can kick yeah. rocks. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. If Jan somehow jumps Yuri, 
that uh, Glover at that is just garbage and a half. But if you're going to do Glover, I, I at least accept that. Because that yeah, Yuri, Yuri's too much fun, man. Like, I agree, Ankalive is probably the best 205er in the world right now, but like, Yuri is the most the fun 205er in the world. And let's prolong this so and enjoy it a little bit. It's not even close. Yuri's the best, the most fun by a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yuri's like, like Charles Oliveira type of excitement at 205. That Yuri's like Charles cool. and Gaethje combined. It's yeah, the weirdest thing. It's, I love it. It's amazing. Um, we talked about this earlier, but I'm kind of short on questions, so I'm gonna go with this one. Do the scorecards tell the story of Amanda and Juliana? It was, I thought Dana's reaction to that was kind of interesting because a lot of us sort of feel the same. Like, I, Jed kind of put it both in you two shot, but it was uh, the most compelling ass kicking we've ever watched, where we were sort of on the edge of our seats, even though. We were very confident how the fight was going to go. Like, I had my little brother texting me throughout the fight. He's like, I told you this is a lock. And he goes, whoa, uh-oh. Oh, oh maybe not. <laughs> like, just, it was just watching that, him react to it. It was the best. It was the best. It was fantastic. Um, what, what, what do you made feel it like the way? scorecards actually tell, yeah. tell the story, though? I mean, in I mean, broad yeah. strokes, Ultimately. yeah. Ultimately. Ultimately, yeah, yeah, because it, it it was again the most tense blowout I've ever seen. Right, like it was. It's that still the word blowout is in that sentence, yeah. and it was a blowout. They they don't in the fact that like if if you're just looking at scorecards to be like, ooh, should I watch that fight? You would never be like, oh, I should watch that fight. You'd be like, oh, that fight sucks. And that fight was actually compelling to watch in a lot of regards. But it is. It still was a blowout. I think the scorecards accurately reflect. They accurately refre- reflect the big picture, but not the not the details, right? You know. I will say to Casey, you had a great tweet about this. Um, yeah. The the that fight is a perfect illustration of why MMA stats are so terrible. Because if you look at the stats in round two, Juliana Pena actually outstruck Amanda, and is just like that is very obvious that by like ten not strikes, actually, too, not like yeah, by like, it's like ten, ten yeah. significant strikes. If you're literally only looking at SIG strike numbers, then yes. But also just in the striking thing, there's the three knockdowns, which I think would tell anybody just looking at the numbers, be like, oh, the person with three knockdowns won that round. But the, that's not, that's never like a general stat. Like when, for all those end of the round stats, you're like, they always put those no significant strikes. They never put knockdowns because we just never see three. It's just – you assume yeah. the person of three knockdowns will have significantly more significant strikes. And it's oh. just, that was just a weird one. I just, I was just thinking on like on the stat, the UFC stats yeah. thing, like knockdowns is always immediately before six strikes. And it's but, like, yeah. But, but yeah, I just, in general, one, yeah. Stats are even, guidelines. even, the, even the, the, the whole 25 minutes, the striking numbers weren't that crazy uh, as much as the ass kicking was there. The striking numbers were, it was relatively not, not, not that far away. Not that far, not that far apart what the actual fight was. It was, it was a very, I, I don't, it's hard to explain. It was very, like, it was a, it was a compelling competitive ass kicking. We don't have a lot the of one those, thing, which is fun. Yeah. The one thing I don't want to happen as we look back on this fight, like a couple of years from now is that we forget about how good Amanda was tonight, because I know yeah. a lot of people like, and you heard it on the broadcast. I hate to keep bringing up the broadcast and the commentary, but this is the Juliana Pena is so tough show. And Amanda was just not getting enough credit for the performance she was putting on. Anik was great. I thought Anik did a great job of like finding the happy medium, but 
it just wasn't like that across the board. And I just want, like, when we look back on this fight historically, this was Amanda putting up ridiculous numbers, 50, getting a couple of 10-8s in this fight. And yes, we appreciate the toughness and the grit and the zombie-like nature of Juliana Pena, but we have to appreciate the greatness and the offense and just her just rattling Juliana immediately. That, like, we, we have to remember that. Like, we love toughness. It's great. Juliana, her grit and determination, the way she could take punishment, her durability is amazing. But Amanda was on fire tonight. She looked great. So it's an, let's just keep that in perspective. It, it's the old axiom. If we're talking about your durability and you, your toughness yeah, in the post fight, yeah, you kick. probably didn't do well. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's always that. It's usually like the third round when Rogan starts talking about like so how tough they are. How tough is that? Oh, you know, someone's getting their ass kicked when they're talking about how tough. Oh, they she are. got a Kamara. Oh, she got a Kamara. No. <laughs> no, no yeah. Instead of talking about her toughness, we were talking about how she became Shinyaoki overnight. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing Juliana Pena does. So before we get out, um, this this kind of flew into the radar, but uh, Jay Petri from Sheridog tweeted this earlier. Check this out. Mm-hmm. The fight script of Eor Potteria. Uh, we are we at Fight Finder can say this confidently. There was no such event from a set FC called Fight Against COVID nineteen. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> All right, we got a another so that, uh, another. So that's why COVID pad game. We didn't fight against it with a set FC. <laughs> Shame. These databases, guys, this, man. These databases, guys. This rec- yeah, they're awesome. If this record padding gate story is not one of the top five best stories of the year on a website that does like top five stories of the year, we're doing it wrong because this absolutely should be a one of the top five stories it's of the year. New covers coming in, records changing like before their first. Like the other, I, I forget. I can't believe it hurts my feelings. That I can, they continue, continuously forget the guy's name who had one fight in the UFC. His record was like twenty-seven and five, and then when it, by the time he fought, it was like nineteen and thirteen or something. <laughs> and it, I think it actually like decreased even more after yeah. he lost the UFC fight. It's which wild. Is nuts. At my former employer, I did uh, a big feature about like the history of MMA databases and sort of what the, these guys' day to day is like, and the level of trickery and deception that these guys have to deal with on a daily basis, especially from various certain parts of the world. I'm not going to spe- specifically point out anybody, but like, it is crazy, and they are way underappreciated, and we yeah. rely on these resources I know, I, so damn much. Whether it's Tapology, Sherdog, whatever, like. All of the work they do is so appreciated because they go through some shit, man. It is wild <laughs> stuff people trying to pull on them. They get they get threats from fighters, like legitimately, like, yeah. yeah, from threat. Yeah, it's wild, but um, yeah, as one does. All there right, gentlemen. I think we've uh, I think we've covered this thing pretty well. Uh, AK and I will be back in six hours and fifty seven minutes, and we'll do some more. Uh, from a matchmaking perspective, some live uh, no action. Uh, so join us for that. Sean, Jed, Casey, thank you very much. Big shout out to Jose. Safe travels once again back to Phoenix. We are done. Hope you guys enjoyed UFC 277. It's a heck of an event. For Sean, for Casey, for Jed, I am Very Mike Heck. Good. good night, everybody. We love, love you, guys. you guys. Yeah, Sean, get on board. <laughs> Happy birthday, okay? It's not my birthday. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.